Welcome to A Flame for Christ, homilies to set your heart on fire with love for Jesus Christ. My name is Father Joseph Gill, priest of the Diocese of Bridgeport, and you've joined us on this Feast of the Transfiguration. So we've just heard this beautiful gospel reading about the Transfiguration, this incredible miracle that our Lord does in really kind of taking away the veil and showing us who he is at his core, how he truly is the Son of God, the very radiance of the Father's glory. But why does Jesus do this miracle? I mean, Jesus doesn't do miracles just for kicks, and he certainly doesn't do miracles to glorify himself as if it was just some sort of ego trip. Rather, he always does miracles for us and our benefit. So what was the benefit for Peter, James, and John who saw this miracle? Ultimately, the benefit was to give them strength, knowing that their faith was going to be tested by the cross. You see, in a few short weeks, in fact, this feast is actually exactly 40 days from the Feast of the Triumph of the Cross on September 14th. And in a few short weeks, even from this moment of the Transfiguration, Christ was going to heading up to Jerusalem to prepare to be sacrificed. And their faith in him would have been shaken. They thought this was the Messiah, the Savior, the King of Kings. This was going to be the one to redeem Israel and to save us from slavery. And yet to see him hanging on a cross shook them to the very core. And so this was hopefully the antidote that would strengthen their faith for that moment when it would be ultimately shaken by the cross. You know, St. Paul talks about that idea. He calls it the scandal of the cross. And that Greek word skandalon, from which we get scandal, literally means a stumbling block. And indeed, for the early church, the cross was a major stumbling block. I mean, this was an execution of a criminal. And to say that we worshipped a God who was willing to embrace such humiliation, such rejection, such suffering, almost seems to invite a mockery of Christianity. In fact, if you go back to the art of the early Christians in the catacombs, they never portrayed Christ on the cross. They would always show Jesus as the good shepherd, a nice, warm, pastoral image, but certainly not Jesus crucified. In fact, the very first image we have that connects Christ with the cross is meant as a pagan mockery. It was found in a catacomb, so it was around the year 200 that an inscription was made which features a stick figure man bowing down and worshiping a figure on a cross, but this figure has a donkey head, and underneath of it is written the words in Greek, Alexamenos worships his God. So pagans thought that Christians were utterly absurd to worship a God who was willing to be crucified. Therefore, the transfiguration was a necessary antidote. The transfiguration convinced these three Christian leaders, right? Peter, the first pope, James, who was the first bishop of Jerusalem and the first apostle to be martyred, and then John, who was, of course, the beloved disciple and the one who wrote the gospel. These three had their faith immensely strengthened. Now, of course, it didn't always keep them strengthened, even in the heat of the passion, when Peter denied Christ and James ran away. But nevertheless, they had this experience to take away some of the scandal of the cross, to say, look, the cross is coming, but hold fast, because who God really is will be revealed. Now, the scandal of the cross, though, was not just a problem for those in the early church. It's a challenge for us today, because when the cross hits our life, a lot of times our faith is deeply shaken. We encounter the cross as a stumbling block. And a lot of people, when they face crosses, ask those questions, well, God, I thought you were real. Where are you? I thought you loved me. Whether that cross is something like, you know, a devastating diagnosis or the death of someone close to us, whether that cross is the loss of a job or a natural disaster, just the wear and tear of everyday life, these crosses can make us wonder, well, God, where are you? Are you real? Are you in the midst of us or not? 
And the key then for us when we're facing that scandal of the cross is to do what the apostles did and to remember the mighty works of the Lord. In fact, that's a refrain that we hear all throughout Scripture. Remember the mighty deeds of the Lord. So in times of challenge, we have to remember those great times that we've experienced love, the ways in which we've seen God's presence. We have to remember the consolations of our Catholic faith, the material blessings that we have, the times that we've encountered goodness and beauty. All of these things the Lord has done for us. And so if he's been faithful in the past, we can trust in his faithfulness for the future, even despite the cross that we're facing. Back in the, 18, in the 800s, there was a young noblewoman by the name of Ricardus who entered into an arranged marriage with the Holy Roman Emperor, who at the time was Emperor Charles the Fat. Yes, that's his real name. So glad that we don't name our people like medievals used to. But yes, Emperor Charles the Fat. And uh, it was not an, not an easy marriage, but they kind of got along. And she was very devout and so would often go to Mass and spend long hours in prayer in the church. And the her husband kind of allowed her to do it. But after about 20 years of marriage, he started to grow rather paranoid. And he said to himself, well, maybe she's cheating on me. Maybe she's planning a rebellion. And so he started to accuse her of all sorts of terrible things. And of course, Ricardus, who was a saint, maintained her innocence. And so in order to prove her innocence, Charles challenged her and said, all right, if you're truly innocent, I challenge you to a trial by fire. That is literally what it sounds like, is that they would build a bonfire And the accused person would walk through it. And if they were able to walk through it without harm, then they know they were innocent. Again, another thing that I'm glad we don't follow the medievals in. But so there she was, and she agreed to this. And so they built the bonfire, and there she is standing very very much at the, the threshold of this bonfire. And I'm sure she's thinking to herself, Lord, are you here? Are you going to protect me from this? I mean, everything in her life was crumbling, right? Her marriage was falling to pieces. Here she is facing down her own death. Is God going to be faithful to her? Is the same God who consoled her in the chapel going to be present in the midst of the fire? And yet with trust, she stepped forth. And according to eyewitnesses, they saw the fire part as if it was parting the Red Sea, and she passed through unscathed. It was indeed true that the God who was faithful to her in good times would be faithful to her in the midst of the cross. Now, this story actually ends rather oddly in that Charles still didn't believe her, and so he banished her from the castle, and for the rest of her life, she lived in a small house on some convent grounds. Probably was actually a happier uh, ending to her life than staying married to such a man. But nevertheless, here was a saint who had to make that choice of whether or not the scandal of the cross would shake her faith, but rather in her faithfulness and relying on Christ, she was able to walk through fire. I want to close with the powerful words of St. Francis de Sales, who deals with this issue of the scandal of the cross. He writes, God has guided you thus far in life, and he will lead you safely through all trial. And when you cannot stand, God will hide you in his arms. So do not fear what may happen tomorrow. The same everlasting Father who cares for you today will take care of you then and every day. He will either shield you from suffering or will give you the unfailing strength to bear it. My friends, the apostles were going to face the scandal of the cross, and that's why Christ gave them this gift of the transfiguration, to show them the cross is not the end, and that God truly is victorious and glorious when it's all said and done. You and I will face the scandal of the cross as well, but we must always remember that the God who has been faithful to us in prosperity will also be faithful and present in adversity.